My name is Peter Ward, and welcome to the Solutions to Go podcast, your source for information on investing, insurance, banking, tax planning, and healthy living. If you'd like to know more about anything discussed on this podcast, please visit mysolutionsonline.ca, where you'll find a wide variety of articles and videos. Today, we're going to talk about something that roughly 50% of Canadians don't want to talk about. It's morbid, and it forces us to think about a world that we no longer live in. That's right. We're talking about estate planning. Even though it's tough, it does give you the option of providing for your loved ones how you would want to. As we'll get into in this episode, if you don't have a plan, your assets may not be used in the way you intended or could end up in the wrong hands completely. John Natale joined us again for this episode after the excellent episode we did together on registered accounts, which is episode two if you'd like to listen. So please join me as I speak with John and learn all about estate planning and why it's important. Pleased to have on the show today a very special guest, John Natali. John is head of tax, retirement, and estate planning services on the wealth team here at Manulife. He and his team provide case level support on tax, retirement, and estate planning matters to advisors across the country. Welcome to Solutions to Go, John. Thanks, Peter. Happy to be here. So, John, I think this is probably on a lot of listeners' to-do lists. It's not really something we like to think about, our own mortality. But I think it's a good place to start. Why is it important to have a will? It's, uh, it's something that uh, a lot of Canadians haven't done. I think we've all seen the stats out there. Approximately 50% of Canadians don't have a will, but that's, I think, pretty consistent with North America. And of those who have drafted a will, many of them haven't looked at them in a long time. So those wills might be out of date. Uh, so the simple reason why people should have a will is is because if you have an estate, and I would argue that most people have an estate, you'd be surprised that uh, uh, even people say, well, I don't have an estate. But you look at your assets, you start making a list of them. Most people do have an estate. And a very common example I use is, do you own your own home? Right. Well, now everybody's home is almost worth at least a million dollars with this crazy real estate market. Uh, so yeah, so I, I would say almost everybody has an estate. And the reason why you ha- want to have a will is you want to make sure that the assets that you've worked you know, a whole lifetime to accumulate are distributed to the people as per your intentions in the manner you intended, in a time-effective, in a cost-effective, and in a tax-effective way. If you don't draft a will, people think, well, if I don't draft a will, I don't have an estate plan. Well, that's actually false. You do have an estate plan. It's the government's estate plan. Because when you die without a will, you're deemed to have died intestate. So that's a legal term, intestate. And every province has their own intestacy rules. So if you die without a will, every province has a a piece of legislation that sets out who gets what. Now, for most provinces, it's pretty consistent. Initially, everything goes to your spouse. If you only have a spouse and don't have any kids, or if you have a spouse and kids, part of it will go to your spouse and part of it will go to your kids. If you don't have a spouse and kids, then you look at parents and siblings and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. And some people say, well, John, okay, that's not so bad. Like, I don't see the downside because, you know, everything's going to go to my spouse or, or my kids. But what if you're separated from your spouse, but you're still technically legally married? Mm-hmm. Okay. In some provinces, that's separated but legally married spouse. Mm-hmm. You still get the assets. Or what if your kids are minors? Right. you given amounts to minors is a really bad idea or what if you've had a falling out with your children you don't want to give them anything Mm -hmm. or a a much smaller amount that they would get under the intestacy rules Um, the other thing that uh, the will allows you to do allows you to pick the executors of your state who's going to administer your state and also allows you to provide instructions and who should be the guardians of your children wouldn't you want to 
provide instructions as to who would be the guardians of Absolutely. your minor children? Yeah. So there's so many important reasons. Tax planning, estate planning, making sure of an effective and smooth distribution of your estate on a timely basis. There are a lot of reasons why people should have a will. And is there... Um is there any rules around the executor? Do you, can you pick a family member, or does it is it just someone you have to trust, or is there rules like they can't be related, et cetera? Or no, you you can you can pick a family member. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I would say the rules of thumb. So no legal rules. Right, right. The rules of thumb are to pick somebody that you trust, obviously, mm-hmm. but also someone that has the capacity, both from a uh, a time perspective, because being an ex- executor can be very time and labor intensive. Right. Um, also, you want to pick somebody who maybe has uh, some type of acumen or background in uh, investments or mm-hmm. estates, right. those kind of things, because it is a very challenging role. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't prepared or don't have that kind of knowledge or expertise, it can be very difficult. It's often a very thankless job. Okay. Um, so you want to think about who you're thrusting in that role. Right because you may, may may not be doing them a favor. We recommend that individuals speak to potential candidates that are thinking about being an executor right. to make sure they're on side and they know that what they're getting into. There's, um, have you ever heard of David Chilton? No, I haven't. So David Chilton is the author of The Wealthy Barber. Okay. Oh, yeah. well, that rings a bell now, The yeah. Wealthy Barber for sure. <laughs> yeah, and he has a great quote that yeah. he says that I, that I believe in. He says, I'll do anything for my friends except two things. I won't help them move because I'm too old, and I won't be their executor okay. because I'm too smart. And his point is that it can be a very stressful and thankless job. I think that might be a little bit of an extreme position, but I do think it's important to highlight the importance of naming an executor and, and who you pick and making sure that person is prepared. And if you don't have somebody, then yes, there are trust companies, or maybe look for a lawyer or something like that, and maybe I'll be able to assist you. I hear of me thinking it wasn't too bad, and then he's compared it to moving and yeah. helping a friend move, which is just the worst thing I can think of. It's the worst weekend I've ever had, I think. I, I, re- <laughs> I refuse to move again. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. 100% I'm done. with you. I'm yeah. Done. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, what are the, some of the most common wealth transfer mistakes that you kind of see Canadians making today? One of the biggest mistakes I think people make is failing to take into account the tax considerations when they're distributing their assets. And if I can, I'll try to give you an example, and hopefully you guys can follow me. Think of a scenario where an individual, a single parent, a widower, widower, or something like that, and they have three adult children, and they have three assets. So I'm going to give a very simplified example. And they have a home that's worth a million dollars. They have an RSP that's worth a million dollars and they have a non-registered investment account worth a million dollars. So okay, not your typical person, right. but don't worry about the numbers. I'm just using large round numbers just for uh, the example. For illustration okay? purposes. Illustration <laughs> purposes. Sounds like a disclaimer, right? absolutely. <laughs> and let's say they have three children, and they say, and they're, they're thinking, I want to distribute my estate one-third, one-third, one-third to each child. So a million each. So they say, well, okay, well, for the RSP, I'll name my oldest child as the beneficiary on the RSP. They'll get a million dollars. And in the will, I'll designate my middle child to get the house, so they get a million dollars. And in the will also, I'll designate my youngest child to get my non-registered investment of a million dollars. Okay, so they each got a million dollars, right? Right. However, the RSP is going to be taxable on the parent's final tax return. But the person who pays that tax return, or the taxpayer that pays that tax return, is the the individual's estate. Mm which effectively means that the beneficiaries receive under the will. 
Well, if the youngest child is receiving the residue of the estate, which is basically the non-registered investments, a million dollars, they're going to be responsible for paying the tax on the RSP that the eldest received tax-free. Uh, okay. Right? So let's say that RSP is a million dollars. Let's say the tax payable is $400,000. The eldest child gets that million dollars. The youngest, who's the beneficiary on the will, is going to pay the tax of $400,000. They'll only be left with $600,000. And the middle child, because they got the home, we're going to assume they get the principal residence exemption. It transfers over tax-free. So they get a million-dollar asset as well. And the youngest child is the one who gets kind of hold left in the tax bag. Oh, wow. Yeah. It doesn't pay to be the youngest child in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> no, not in that scenario. Yeah. Um, so, so that's just one example. Hopefully, hopefully uh, people were able to follow that. But think about the tax consequences. But you want to make sure that you leave your beneficiaries, uh, or you want to consider what your beneficiaries receive from an after-tax perspective, not a pre-tax perspective. I often hear this term, um, probate, and probate can be a long and drawn-out process. Uh, maybe we can just explain to the listeners, and myself actually, what, what probate is and what that process involves. Yeah, uh, great question. So first thing I would say is that probate applies in all the provinces except Quebec. Okay. So probate doesn't apply in Quebec. The second thing I would say is, I'm like you. Uh, you hear probate all over the place. And be before I went to law school, I was like, oh, what is this probate thing? So I'll give you kind of the, the formal definition, and I'll try and explain it in everyday terms. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, probate is the process whereby the court confirms the validity of the will and the authority of the executors. So what does that mean, the validity of the will and the authority of the executors? Okay, so let's deal with the validity of the will first. When you draft a will, you draft a will, you can subsequently revoke that will and draft a new will, right. like if you change your mind. Mm -hmm. So now you may have two wills okay. or three wills. Right. So the problem is if you're a financial institution and someone comes to you with a will, so this is the last will and testament of Peter, mm -hmm. Say, well, how do we know that is the last will and testament? How, how do we know it wasn't the second last version right. or the third last version? Because who gets what may yeah. differ in, in, yeah, depending absolutely. on which will. So they don't know who the pay, or they don't know who the executor is. Mm -hmm. The executor might be different in each of these wills, so they don't know who to cut a check to. Right. So that's that's the thing. So what what the financial institutions say is, well, listen, bring your will to the court, file it. You have to pay a filing fee, and that's why you pay probate fees, because you pay a filing right. fee. <laughs> and then the court will say, they'll give their seal of approval and say, this is the last will and testament of Peter. Mm -hmm. And now when you bring that probated will, that will with that, that seal to the financial institutions, the financial institutions say, can say, whoa, this has been approved by the court. This is the one. This yeah. is the one. <laughs> so this is who the executor is. Okay. We can cut a check to that executor. Mm -hmm. And I guess the government charges you those probate fees right. and promises where probate fees apply. Uh, for their service because they'd like to make money off of it. Of course. Yeah, so, so that's what basically is. It's so that other people who are looking at the will, like yeah. a financial institution, they know that they're in fact looking at the last will mm -hmm. of the deceased and they know that who, they, who can, they can transact with, who they can give the money to. And so for everyone that, that passes away in Canada, this, ha this happens, other than Quebec, obviously. So is this like, because I, I don't really have any experience with this, so is, does everyone have to go down to the courthouse and, and file the will essentially? So, yeah, so wonderful question, and it's a nuanced question. Mm. So if somebody needs to rely on that will and wants the proof of the court validation, okay. then, yes, they will ask an executor or whoever the family, or the family member is to get the will probated. Okay. But if nobody's asking mm -hmm. for proof of the will, okay. okay, so you don't have any assets at a financial institution or you don't have any assets going through your estate, right. well, then in theory... 
you might not have to submit your will for probate. It's only when somebody asks. So the okay. most common example would be like a bank or an insurance company mm. or something like that potentially okay. asking for it. But sometimes uh, when there's disputes within the estate, so sometimes okay. pe people challenge the validity of the will right. or those kind of things, there can be other reasons why people might ask for a will to be probated. But if nobody asks for the mm -hmm. will to be probated, you don't have to probate your will. Okay. And, and that would, would be the responsibility of the executor to take care of all that? Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, the yeah. executor would submit the, the will for probate. Uh, job's getting tougher by the sounds of it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
So, uh, so this one's a little bit morbid, but I like what you've mentioned before um, when we've chatted about controlling from beyond the grave. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the strategies for controlling the distribution of uh, assets, et cetera, from, you know, after you pass away? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, listen, we don't like to think about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think this is a very important question to consider because I've seen so many situations where people have had their estate depleted or used in ways that would probably have made them turn over in their grave. Right. Um, so there are definitely ways that people can control from the grave. And I think the first thing that comes to most people's mind is the use of a trust. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can do that in your will, yeah. um, or you can do it outside of your will. But within the trust, what that allows you to do is to say, these assets, when I pass away, I want a trustee. So the trustee is going to be the person who, who administers this trust. It's kind of like the executor of your right. estate. You can give instruction to the trustee as to how to manage the funds or the assets, who to pay pay the assets out to, when to pay the assets out to. They can make it conditional, like they only pay the assets out when the individual reaches age 25 right. or 30 or, or those kind of things. So, um, so that's a very, very powerful way to control from the grave, especially if you're concerned if a beneficiary might be young or irresponsible with the money or may yeah. have mental health issues or substance abuse issues or those kind of things. Right. Or even... You know, oftentimes I see a situation where they're, they're, the parent is concerned about the stability of their child's uh, marriage. Okay. And they're worried about if they divorce, yeah. whether their assets being uh, eventually end up in their daughter and son-in-law's hands. Right. So, so <laughs> they, they yeah. all kidding aside, they do that. So the downside with the trust is you, you, need, you should get a lawyer to tra- dra- draft a trust document, so costs. You need to have a trustee, so you may have to pay trustee fees, and you may have to file a trust return. And they're a little bit inflexible once you've set them up. Um, the other option that you can do, and we offer this with our many life insurance policies and segregated funds and insurance company GIAs, is we have something called the annuity settlement option. Okay. So we were talking about before about ways of avoiding your estate and your will by naming a beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Well, if you use this uh, strategy within those products, it, you name the beneficiary, but it allows you to name a beneficiary so that they receive their funds in the form of an annuity. Uh, okay. And so if you're not familiar with an, what an annuity is, what an annuity is as a client or an investor, you give the insurance company a lump sum, let's say $100,000, and you can choose what's called a term certain annuity, like a 10-year term, where the insurance company will pay out annuity payments or installment payments over 10 years, or you can choose a life annuity, where the insurance company will pay out uh, installment payments over the individual's life. Um, so you can use this annuity so that your, your death benefit is pay, is used to buy an annuity, and then the annuity makes installment payments to the beneficiary. So they get these periodic payments. But the Many Life does it all themselves. Okay. So you don't need a trust. So it's like right. a trust alternative. So you have both. You yeah. have like kind of two arrows in your quiver. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about the annuity settlement option is it's free. There's no cost. Yeah. And if you change your mind before you pass away, you can then uh, change the beneficiary so that the beneficiary does receive a lump sum. So you have a couple options there. Yeah, yeah. It does seem like a, a really simple uh, compared to the trust, but obviously the trust would be for more complex assets and you know things beyond what you hold with absolutely with life. Absolutely. The, the advantage of the annuity settlement option is simplicity, ease of use, and no cost. Yeah. yeah. The advantage of a trust is that you can add more features in there, more conditions and more restrictions. But again, there is a cost, and that's why it kind of as a very, very simple rule of thumb, People say usually don't look at setting up a trust for somebody if you're not looking at assets in addition in excess of a million dollars. (laughs) 
So let's do the big question. Um, in your mind, what is the single biggest wealth transfer mistake that Canadians make? I know we touched on a few of the, the more common ones, um, but is there something that's, that's burning there? <laughs> There is, Peter. Now, I feel, I feel like my kids, when they ask me, really, am I limited to one? Yeah. So I'm going to give you an answer, but I don't want it to call it count as my one. I okay. want to hold something back as my one. So to your point, I think we've talked about not having a will. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or updating your will. Yeah. Uh, in line with that, a lot of times people forget this, not having a beneficiary designation when they want to have one or not updating their beneficiary designation. Okay. So they may change their mind. Just like you want to update your will to keep it current, you yeah. want to keep your beneficiaries current. But that's not my answer, okay? Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, sure. okay. So my other answer is, is because uh, that, that's the big one, but the other answer is, when it comes to estate planning, this is a little bit of my own personal opinion, is don't worry too much about every dollar, mm. about you know planning to the nth degree. Right. I recommend to people, think about estate planning in broad strokes. Are the, are the assets generally going to the people you wanted to in the manner you wanted to? Because I've seen too many times where people get super complicated, they get they go detail crazy, and what happens is all of a sudden there's a new there's a new court case or there's a change in legislation, right. and it totally throws their estate plan upside down, yeah. and it's completely not what they wanted to have happen, and they have to do everything again from scratch. So I think having flexibility in your estate plan, making sure again like you kind of get all the, the the big strokes and the money's generally going to the people or institutions that you wanted to, that would that would be my key. Be flexible. Don't don't be super, super detail oriented yeah. when it comes to it. Absolutely. And I think it always comes down, uh, as most things do, to good planning, right? Oh. To, you know, developing an estate plan with your advisor, maybe, you know, getting make sure your will's up to date, you know, name your beneficiaries where you can on those products. And um and you know, like I said, no one likes to think about it, but you, you plan it and, you know, move it off and review it every couple of years. And you're going to feel a lot better about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. John, as always, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for coming back and, uh, and being part of this episode. Always happy to be on here with you, Peter. Great. Thanks so much. I think that was a great episode with John. And I always come away from these conversations with a deeper understanding of the topic. With estate planning, it comes down to, as John mentioned, the broad strokes. Get a will set up name beneficiaries on registered assets, and just have a conversation with your loved ones. Let them know how you'd like things to go if the unfortunate were to occur. It may be tough to talk about now, but you'll feel a lot better with a plan in place. Thanks again for listening to Solutions To Go. If you're enjoying the content, please like and consider leaving a review. We'd really appreciate any and all feedback. Copyright Manual Life. This podcast, including case studies and support materials, is for general information purposes only and is not specific to any one individual or case. The podcast shouldn't be relied on for specific financial, legal, tax, accounting, or other advice. Opinions expressed are those of Manual Life and are subject to change based on legislative, case law, market, and other conditions that may change during the course of recording and publishing of this podcast. Manual Life isn't responsible for any losses arising from the use of the information in this podcast. The Manufacturer's Life Insurance Company, Manual Life, is the issuer of Manulife insurance contracts, contracts containing Manulife segregated funds, and the guarantor of any guarantee provisions therein. Manulife Investment Management is a trade name of Manulife.